Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Chip Towers, uh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, covers Georgia football. We've had him on the show uh, a couple of times already. Um, we're game week now, Chip. It's, it seems like there's been just a huge buildup for this game with all the Dan Lanning talk. But uh, what's the what's the scuttlebutt in Georgia right now? Well, you know, it is starting to build up. I would agree with you there because, I mean, you kind of watched as the perspective on Oregon improved and it improved. Uh throughout the preseason to where they ended up being ranked number 11 uh, in the AP preseason poll. Uh, the line's still pretty big, but, you know, last time I checked, when number 11 faces, you know, number three or four, whatever it is, number three for Georgia, um, that's a pretty good preseason matchup. And the truth is, you know, preseason, you just don't know. just don't know. I, you think you know, but you, you never really know, and that's that's what makes this this in particular, with the uh, Lane-Kirby Smart connection, one of the most intriguing in college football. Chip Towers writes for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, AJC.com. Uh, you can also catch him on Wednesday. He's doing a Facebook uh, show that he does uh, regularly throughout the season, Towers Take Live on Facebook, 9 a.m. Pacific time, if you want to get some Georgia talk in your life. Uh, Chip, give us an idea of, like, when you do that talk, you know, all the Georgia fans who are wringing their hands about the season are going to be calling in. What what position group are they talking about? What are the concerns right now? Well, I think what's starting to come out, and, and I have, uh, you know, helped, you know, sort of promote this narrative. I, I, I mean, I'll call it that narrative, but, I mean, I mean, I think there's a really intriguing matchup here, in particular, you know, on, on the, you know, Oregon's offensive front versus Georgia's defensive front, and specifically interior front and linebackers, but Georgia's all new in that. Uh, Georgia's brand new, and Oregon is experienced, you know, on the offensive line in, in particular. You know, I've, I've seen all kinds of different numbers. You can probably tell me better than most, but, you know, nine of ten uh, of the ten the two deep have some starting experience, four or five returning starters, you know, a lot of experience, a lot of beef up there, and, uh, you know, they'll be facing – a new Georgia defensive front. Now, they'll have Jalen Carter, number 88, um, who's, you know, going to be tough to deal with. But all the other guys are new. And then probably most important is the, the inside linebackers are new. Now, they're, they were recruited for this specific purpose. Uh, you know, you're going to see a five-star, a couple of four-stars stepping in there to play for Georgia. Uh, and they've waited for this moment. But just being a game one, uh, you know, and certainly Dan Lanning knowing everything in the world about them from a strength and weaknesses standpoint, personnel standpoint, you know, it's going to be it's going to be an intriguing watch. The Oregon, you know, coaching staff is not talking about who's going to start the game at quarter. I'll expect it to be Bo Nix. Didn't seem to bother Kirby Smart. How's that flying in, in Georgia territory? 
Well, you know, that was interesting because he's usually not that, uh, uh, you know, I mean, for him to be blatantly, you know, blatantly saying, oh, we don't, we're not worried about that. We know who it's going to be. Uh, I, you know, normally when that narrative enters into a game week, you know, he'll say, uh, you know, we, we're preparing for them all. Uh, and I'm sure they have. I mean, you know, uh, I, I, I buy what Dan Lanning has been selling in the preseason. Is they're going to have packages ready for all those quarterbacks, and maybe they'll have a special package for Ty Thompson or or somebody, you know, other than Bo Nix. But, you know, when you look at it straight out, I mean, you know, what is it, 38 career starts for Bo Nix, three of them against Georgia, uh, and, and those other guys just haven't played that much. And so in a – in an opening game with lots of lights and TV and and everything else, you know, I would be shocked if it wasn't Bo Nix or Sooner. Oregon going into this game, first-year coach, I think there are some Duck fans who are probably understandably excited, also maybe a little concerned. People would like to keep this going. It's been a rough one for the Pac-12, but in Georgia's case, you know, coming off a national championship, lost a lot to the draft. You know, the fan base has to be giddy with what happened, but is there any concern about a fallback, or are Georgia fans just uh, interested in reloading and watching this team, you know, do what it's always done under Kirby Smart? Well, you know, this is kind of why we got to show up and watch because, you know, certainly everybody in Georgia's camp has talked about why that's not going to be the case, that they're not around fat and happy, that they're not taking Oregon for granted. But, I mean, psych. Who really knows? I mean, you know, it's been 41 years Georgia won a national championship, and and um, uh, you know that's a big deal. It's a big deal around here. I mean, on one hand, I mean, I think a lot of fans will be out. They'll be excited about you know seeing them play, quote unquote, defending national champions. And uh, but as Kirby has talked about, and I do buy this certainly from a deep standpoint that you know, hey, these have nothing to uh, you know, open it about because as we just went over, you know, eight of the 11 guys that can start on defense have never started before. I mean, you may see some, some true freshmen out there, some guys who've never played, um, you know, so so that's that's a fact, you know, that's a factor. And um, and so we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, uh, their, their mental um, – state of mind is, is going to be something that I'll be watching for closely. You had a chance to know Dan Lanning as a young coordinator, young assistant, watch him grow a little bit. Then you came out to Eugene uh, a couple of few weeks ago and met with him again. You saw him as a head coach. What changed or what changes did you see in Dan Lanning? Well, I, I, you know, he's the same guy in a lot of ways, but it's it's for me it's, it was fascinating to see. I mean, you know, he has taken obviously a lot of the principles that he learned at Georgia and at Alabama over there, you know, and and he's given them different names. When you you know, they call him, he calls them the get real talks over there. Well, you know, they were skull sessions over here at Georgia, and you know, he talks about the program DNA. Uh, over here, they talk about the pillars of the program. They're the same concepts in general. But he's also doing a lot of things different. I mean, you know, I talked to Dan Lanning six times in three years, you know, uh, uh, because that's Kirby Smart's, um, you know, template. His model allow assistant coaches to be interviewed, and he only lets the coordinators talk at the beginning of the season and bowl season. So that's all I got. You know, Dan Lanning lets you talk to everybody. In fact, by the time we get to the first game, uh, pretty much, 
you know, every Oregon duck was available for interview if you wanted to talk to him. That's different. And, you know, and he, he I asked him about that, you know, and he says, you know, I don't know, it could change, you know, I, but, but right now, you know, that just felt like the way to go. And I think some of it has to do with also he's new, you know, you need to kind of open the doors and let people look around and see what you going on. And, and I like what I see out there, you know, I, it's chance of being uh, exposed to the, the true Nike effect, the field Nike effect there is uh, there in Oregon, the beautiful facilities, the great climate, um, the, the Oregon Ducks, which, uh, as, as Lanning will tell you, uh, does not respect state borders. Um, and, and, you know, he has some sway down here in the Deep South as well. So, I mean, uh, I, I expect great for Dan Lanning. Now, will it be in year one? No, but I, I just knowing his style and um, his work and energy, I mean, I'm, I'm confident that they got a lot in in this preseason. They will be totally prepared for the challenge that awaits them on Saturday. You see Georgia practice. You look at the physicality of the players. You saw Oregon in your visit here. Noticeable difference? Yeah, I mean, a, a little bit. Certainly on the lines of scrimmage, Georgia's just gotten going now. It's, and planning's doing the same thing. But when Kirby Smart got in uh, early 2015, December of 2015, but the season, he verbalized it right away. He says, we got to get bigger on the lines, you know. And the next thing you knew, through Sam Pittman, who's now at Arkansas, uh, you know, Georgia has continued. I mean, if you're not 6'5 and 320 pounds, they're really not interested in you. So they're massive on the lines of scrimmage. They just are. Uh, defensively to, to some extent, too, but those guys are terribly athletic. And, you know, it's the Alabama model. I mean, everybody would sign all those guys all the time if, if you could, but the, the the key is convincing them that you, you need to come play there. And so, you know, I think Oregon is still smallish in comparison, but, you know, it's all relative. Uh, and then I think another, you know, big challenge for, for Oregon is just having to come all the way across the United States. I mean, I don't, I don't think they'll be physically uh, exhausted uh, or, or anything from that, but, you know, they're, they're definitely going to be um, outnumbered in terms of the crowd. This is basically a Georgia home game, just displaced 60 miles through the West. Give us an idea because, you know, you, you cover the SEC and you get a chance to see the teams. Another big game for the Pac-12 is going to be Utah at Florida. Is that game at all important for the SEC or Florida feels really important to the Pac-12. Yeah, I, I think it is. I, it, with with just the climate that we have in college athletics right now, I think uh, all these uh, uh, intra-sectional games are 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 going to take even more importance, uh, and and that's certainly one of them. I'm eager to see firsthand what all the fuss is about, both with Florida and Utah. Now, if you if you you know listen to the um, Florida fans and everything, you know, Billy Napier has completely turned that place around in a short time. I don't know whether that's the case or not, but Florida is a, you know, it is a proud traditional SEC program with a, a unlimited access to great players just in their state of alone. Chip Towers with us, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He's the guy when it comes to Georgia football. It would be a big win for Oregon. It would be a big-time win to obviously to go to Georgia, Dan Lanning's first game. How big a blow would it be to Georgia if they lose this game? 
Well, I don't think it would be anything that either team wouldn't be able to recover from. That's a great thing about these intra-regional kind of games. But in the climate of college football and college athletics such as it is, I think that, you know, uh, you know certainly brings more interest to it to start with and, and a lot more conversation on the back end of whoever wins and whoever loses. But the truth is, you know, both teams will have at least 11 more games to play. Um, you know, it's a it's a top 11 matchup, so neither team I, I think will will just plummet if you if you were to lose in the polls. And you can always get back through your own conference competition. So I don't think it's uh, you know paramount for either team. I think it's going to be a great talker, you know, for at least a few weeks. Chip Towers, Atlanta Journal Constitution. Chip, I will see you in the press box for people who want to read them. AJC.com. Chip Towers, thank you. Good stuff, man. All right, take care, pal. All right, who you got? Georgia, Oregon. I want your score. Tweet it at me, at John Canzano BFT. Make sure you are also uh, signed up for a subscription, a free subscription, a paid subscription, johnconzano.com. I will be live in Georgia writing columns and doing radio shows. Uh, that will happen Thursday and Friday in the run-up to Dan Lan- the biggest game of the Dan Lanning era. The first game of the Dan Lanning era. I want you to leave it here. You got the BFT. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with the pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. Big week of radio ahead. We'll uh, be talking to the big guests. I'll be live in Atlanta, Georgia, Thursday and Friday. This radio show is going on site, and we will have the sights and the sounds. If you're not going to Atlanta, I'm going to take you with me 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Thursday and Friday this week as a big football game uh, on the horizon and a big college football week on the horizon. Not lost on me that there's other stuff going on. And uh, I heard a conversation today as uh, Jeannie Buss was uh, interviewed on Sirius XM Radio, they were talking about sort of the discussions that happen inside an NBA organization. Like, for example, when, when Jerry Buss decided to trade Shaq and part ways with Phil Jackson, how did that conversation go? I thought it was a really interesting talk as Jeannie Buss is talking to the hosts of the Sirius XM uh, NBA show about how stuff gets done or how it got done at least in the Lakers organization. I want you to to listen to this. Here's Jeannie Buss talking about what it. What is the one thing that you wish you did not do as an organization in regards to maybe player transaction and in that regard? Um, oh, I mean, you know, when Shaq got traded, that that like that was that yes. killed me. That was really hard. <laughs> And, you know, but I, you know, I, I tell the story about how, you know, my dad made the decision that, you know, he couldn't pay Shaq the money that Shaq could earn under the collective bargaining agreement. And a trade was coming up. And so it was the end of the season. And Phil went to meet with my dad. I think it was actually on Father's Day, interestingly enough. And, um, you know, so Phil went in and said, like, you know, you can't trade Shaq. Like, he's, you know, the most dominant player mm-hmm. in the league. You can't trade him. And my dad said, well, 
I'm going to trade them, but it, it won't matter to you because you're not coming back as coach either. So, I mean, it's, it's like, this is our life and we, you know, it's like, and like I said, it, it, you know, there's conflicts in families, but it doesn't break apart a family. And, and the bottom line is all the best siblings want to continue the legacy that my dad created. All right. I want you to think about that. And let's talk about the Blazers organization and Jody Allen. First of all, can anybody imagine Jody Allen doing an interview like that where she kind of just talks about the back, you know, room dealings of the trailblazers? No, you can't because it's not happening. Further, that little last part that she brought up about sort of keeping the magic in the organization, so to speak, not Magic Johnson, but just sort of the uh, you know, the the culture of the organization or the winning ways of the organization, you know, the secret sauce of the organization. Like, the Blazers don't have any secret sauce. And I really am not bringing this up to kind of pile on the Blazers. I just feel like, you know, we've all said it. She needs to sell the team. But can you guys, like, when I hear Jeannie Buss talking about that, you know, it explains one of the worst trades in NBA history. It's probably one of the five worst trades in NBA history. Shaq going to Miami in exchange for uh, a bunch of players that, you know, didn't get it done, like Karan Butler and Brian Grant and Lamar Odom ended up uh, going to the Lakers in that deal in 2004. But I think it's one of the five worst trades in NBA history. The You know, Shaq wins a title. But to be able to laugh about it afterwards and explain the backstory of it, we're not getting that chatter out of the Blazers organization. We're not, get, we're not getting chatter about... You know, let's talk about the Jermaine O'Neal trade. We're not getting that chatter about, you know, the extension of Brandon Roy and then the subsequent knee injuries or Greg Oden and all that, in part because I don't think the people that are now running the organization were at all invested in the organization or present in the organization or aware of what the hell was going on in the organization over the years. So you don't just have a lost culture. You have no culture whatsoever, which I guess beats toxic culture, but not by much. Yeah, I mean, we don't even hear them talk about anything. Like not even about moves or bad bad moves or good moves. We don't hear Jody Allen talk about anything. And so I'm with you. Like there is no culture. There is no communication between the front office and the fans. And I think that's one thing that hurts the fans. You know, the, we love the Blazers in Rip City. Like Rip City has rabid fans, but we don't get anything, any inside information from them. That's why it's so intriguing to see and hear these type of things out of Jeannie Buss. That she, you know, she's talking about what you know, what her dad did, and he was obviously a cool figure and a mysterious figure as well. But like, the Blazers have no identity, and they still don't. And I think that's that's the first step. And I think that they're hoping with Chauncey Billups is they're trying to get like a new identity of being, you know, a tougher team and get away from what they were before. But it just it's just not working. So communication is obviously the biggest thing missing with the Portland Trailblazers right now. I also think let's talk about bad trades. You tell me, worst trade, Robert Tractor Trailer goes from the Dallas Mavericks to the Milwaukee Bucks on draft day 1998 in exchange for Dirk Nowitzki. Mm -hmm. Tractor Trailer for Dirk. That worst trade or the Hornets trading Kobe to the Lakers for Vlade Divac. Yeah, they're both really bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess Vlade played for a little while afterwards. You know, he was still fine when they played her on for the Kings trailer just kind of flamed out. I, I see, but probably Kobe. The Kobe trade's probably worse. Yeah, I think 
Blotty played like two seasons after that. And Kobe went on to make like, you know, 15 All-Star games. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I look, bad trades happen. They're part of an organization. But I love that Jeannie Buss is talking about the Shaq deal because now Laker fans can go, oh, we couldn't afford the team. And oh, by the way, like, you know, he didn't want to make that deal. He just had to make that deal because under the new CBA, they couldn't pay Shaq. And so I think it's really good because I think it really does bring the fan base into the fold with ownership, coaching, and and everybody can kind of understand what, what, what happened instead of that kind of murky unknown that we have in Portland. Like, nobody really knows what Jody's thinking. Nobody really knows if she's even thinking about the organization. Nobody really knows if, you know, what happened with the Neil Olshay thing. Like, nobody's talking. She should do an interview. And at that time, it was a lot of Kobe versus Shaq. But that, that's not the case, right? Like, he couldn't yeah. afford it. So it is very interesting, and now the fans don't have to choose sides. And I, but I just love the way she's talking about it. Like, look, hey, that wasn't a deal that we wanted to make, but my dad made it, and here's why, and we talked about it after. And now as kids, she even said it, as siblings, we all want this organization to be the best that it can. Like, damn, I wish Jody Allen would come out and say something like that. Not in a statement, but do an interview. Come on this show. Do an interview. Like, you know, I'm not going to kill you on the interview. Like, no, nobody's going to eat you. You, you come on the radio show and just talk about it. And I think Blazer fans would love to hear from, you know, the trustee of the organization. All right, Punch and Audio's coming up. I want you here for it. It's coming up after the break. Leave it here. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.